name is Amelia. My name is Sherrick, and this is Amelia. And Sherrick, what are you doing? The podcast that has four superfoods to stop your organs depreciating on the black market. Okay. I don't want to sell my organs on the black market. <laughs> I didn't say it was going to be your choice. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, everybody, the podcast is over. <laughs> Apparently Here, my organs are being harvested. Here's here's the alternate one. The podcast whose skincare routine is just drinking lots of water. That's mine. Alrighty. That was <laughs> I was telling Amelia that I got the Gatorade version of Pedialyte because I was feeling a bit dehydrated and I just was like, I mean, I would love to just sit here and just drink a ton of bottles of water right now, but I feel like what I need is like electrolytes so i'm just gonna slam that and follow it with regular bottles of water and hope that that helps yeah but i think the thing for me that i struggle with is that like because i was i was raised in america with people who weren't really thinking about my health i was like a bit addicted to sugary drinks and things like that Mm -hmm. and so like it doesn't have a flavor to me and then i'm just like cool i will drink like three bottles of water but like at that point my taste buds are bored and then I just feel full. And so like having something like a Gator Light helps because it does, it has, it has a flavor to it. It's mm-hmm. also helpful. Obviously it is not, a, it is not my, uh, it, it should not be one's go-to solution, but you know. Yeah. I like using liquid IV packets. So. Mm, yeah. Steph actually bought them on your recommendation. So yeah. When I was visiting last, I let her try one, mm-hmm. but yeah. How's your week? <laughs> Uh, my week has been pretty good. Yeah, nothing too exciting to report. Just kind of, that's not true. Why am I even saying that? I launched my business last I week. Was, I was like, I was going to say something, but I was like, <laughs> uh. My mind goes blank sometimes, you know. No, so a group of us in my coach training class and some other alums from that program started doing a challenge last week of like posting social media or sending out emails, but like more content to engage more people. Sure. And I've had social media accounts and a website and stuff for my life coaching and organizing business that I intend to start. And I was like, you know what? I should do this challenge because it'll like force me to start posting Mm -hmm. and start doing stuff yeah so we all you had to put money into it so if you have to complete the challenge to get your money back and if anybody doesn't complete the challenge their money will get split up between those who did so oh interesting okay yeah uh so far everybody's completed it's only been one of four weeks though so we'll see so Mm -hmm. yeah so i just started posting about it and trying to get more followers and trying to get the word out that I'm starting this business. So yeah, that's my thing. And a few days ago, I filed papers to become an LLC. So yeah, that's scary and exciting. (laughs) Yeah, I totally hear you on that. And my only commentary other than I am incredibly proud of you is that I love that like we live in an age where you can name your business what you named your business because I feel like if it was maybe even 10 years ago they'd be like you can't name your business that you know yeah, like yeah so the my coaching program my I guess business is called fuck the perfect life so check that out on all the social medias well not twitter but instagram mm-hmm. and facebook anyway and the website is just fucktheperfectlife.com I am incorporating under the name Amelia J's Life Solutions. Okay. Because if I ever want to like change the name of programs or something, I don't necessarily like part of my business is also to offer some HR consulting, which I've done in the past. Right. And that part isn't necessarily under that umbrella. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But just to have a business that is called that, I think. Yeah. I was really nervous about that. I was worried that people would um, not like it or get upset. But so far, everybody's been like, yeah, that's awesome. We totally get it. And as I've talked to other people, like, if you don't like that name, 
then it's probably not something that appeals to you or like Mm -hmm. is probably not somebody I want to work with. But so, yeah, uh, not to not to cross promote, but I guess we do that all the time. (laughs) I was going to say, yo. (laughs) Yeah, check all that out. And yeah, if you. If you like what you see, let me know. So, yeah, that was that was my week. Just yeah, totally forgot. I was like, I'm not going to bring it up unless you do, because I don't want to be that person that's like, hey, didn't you forget this thing? Yeah. And you're like, I actually didn't I, really want to talk about that yet. Yeah, like, no. That's, you know? No, that's the thing is that, like, I'm trying to talk about it more. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to use this challenge to, like, mm-hmm. push myself out there. Sure. Um, but if you weren't, like, ready, you know? Yeah, I know. Like, I get it. So, so yeah, that was my week. How about you, Sherrick? I mean, not nearly as exciting. Just just living working i need to start my voice demo because i keep talking about how i want to do voice acting work but uh doing a voice demo is like pretty paramount into that process and so i'm kind of pushing myself to get that done before the end of of the month so time is kind of coming down on that it's uh and i think i've talked about this either offline or online but for me i think the thing that like is the sticking point is like i don't like if i had if i had like a script I could mm-hmm. knock it out in an afternoon, but yeah. I think I, it's just finding like what to say and then like thinking about the voices that I want to do mm-hmm. for this, like essentially minute long demo, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is I think is honestly the sticking point. Cause if someone was just like, Hey, here are five different, like just short things to say, I would just be like, Oh, great. Awesome. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, but it's coming up with that stuff for me. So got it. because I, you know, I want to, I want to do that and and explore that part of things. I already do that a good chunk creating characters and stuff with my various Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, actually, no, scratch that. I do that with my various uh, tabletop RPG things because we are all mad at Dungeons and Dragons, aka with uh, uh, slash Wizards of the Coast right now. So, oh, okay, yeah. Real quick on that, they just are deciding that they want to just own stuff that people make in a homebrew and. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a lot of like money based nonsense yeah. where a company is like, hey, we don't feel like we're making enough money, so we're gonna alter the rules so that we can make more money. Mm-hmm. I'm I am minimizing that so so much. So mm-hmm. like, if you are familiar with that and you want to come after me, mm-hmm. then I we can talk about it. But just know that like I'm just making it as concise as as possible and. You know, a lot of the nuance is lost when I do that. So, yeah. So, I mean, there's not really much for me to tell, except other than I'm staying busy. And, yeah. yeah cool. But I'm I'm still alive and I am still okay. That's That's always good to hear. So, all right. Well, this is the part of the podcast where... People on the internet may make you afraid or make you want to blow them up with a grenade. Instead, let's make lemons into lemonade. So I find something for Sherrick that it takes like a bad situation and makes it a little bit better. And yeah, go ahead and watch. Here I go. What the f- <laughs> This is a case of white people doing too much. <laughs> <laughs> this man's did a massive Rube Goldberg machine which would have caused so much phone damage in my opinion. Oh yeah. I mean, bless bless him for the cases that he bought because this phone goes undergoes so much, so much in the case of this, all for a tank outside of his house just to hit the snooze button. Yep. And he's just like mm, sleep, and it's like to me, and maybe this is just from like who I live with, but like to me, like just hearing the snooze button for that long would have made that not worth it to me. <laughs> but oh, I yeah, love yeah, it nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it's practical or like you should do it. I just mm-hmm. like setting up a, I really like Rube Goldberg machines. Cause I think they're yeah. really fast. Which is why I love this. And when they work, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yes, that is the drawback. The snooze sound, the alarm mm-hmm. sound is the horrible part. But the fact that you like <laughs> with, it, that you have this so that you can stay in bed a little bit longer, <laughs> it, it, it would make waking up mm-hmm. a little more entertaining. <laughs> it does. Definitely does. Yeah. So that's that's why I picked it, because I was like, well, it makes waking up a little bit better. And waking up is not something I enjoy. Getting out of bed is not something I enjoy. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you on that. Like, I so. I can honestly say that I rather enjoy my job at present. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I always enjoy sleeping in. Yes. So, like, yes, getting to sleep in to me is just so nice. Mm-hmm. Which is like when when I get an opportunity to to just, you know, be in bed until noon. It's just it's too nice. It is too mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, I can't really do that, but I definitely struggle to get out of bed mm-hmm. every morning. There's almost nothing that like gets me to just like hop out of bed, so excited for the day. Mm-hmm. Even like getting up early for a trip that I'm excited about or something, I'm not excited about anything at at <laughs> before nine a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, that's I, I also I, want to point out that I love that one of the rocks in like at like around a minute long hits the phone first. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he did mess up a little bit, but you know, that's it's just, pretty good for pretty good for. for and then he just got like a yeah, you know, you're right. It's just got a fucking like hot dog, like a like a hot dog on the tank, and it's just like oh what okay. <laughs> yeah, some of it is just really random and weird. Mm-hmm. But I mean, hey, if it worked, uh, that's a great, that's a great Rube Goldberg machine, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, good for you on it. Yeah. All right. So with that being said, shall we get into what we talking about today, day, 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 day? Yes. yes Lovely. Yes, yes. So we are talking about Aminorphs again. Yay. Love me some Aminorphs. <laughs> So this, these, the, what I'm covering today is, uh, is books uh, number 25 and 26. That would be the e- extreme and the attack. Okay. The extreme came out, if I recall correctly, around December 1998, and I believe it is ghostwritten by uh, Jeffrey Zulke, based on an outline given to him by K. Applegate. But we all, you know, it's the idea is, is you know, K. Applegate quote unquote wrote all of these books. Mm-hmm. It is it is uh, the seventh book in the series that is narrated by Marco and is the fifth overall with Marco as the sole narrator. And I think like a time or two ago, I said that we were going to get to like the side books. It's not going to be today. I, I didn't really want to. I didn't really feel like talking about them today. That's fine. So we start out with our good buddy, Eric King, you know, the Chi android that looks kind of like a doggo. <laughs> He's telling, uh, he's like, hey, Marco, got some fresh yerk goss for you here. They plan to manipulate some satellites to beam Candrona rays into swimming pools, thus turning each into a yerk pool. This way they won't have to travel to a, in, in, like a, a centralized yerk pool. And they can, that would obviously mean that uh, the one of the few advantages that the Animorphs have in this situation would be lost. Because then if they don't have to like gather at one place. And they can just essentially have a Candrona Ray swimming pool, mm-hmm. then you know that makes that makes things a bit harder for them. So they are testing this out in of all places, the fucking Arctic Circle. <laughs> you know, like you do. Yeah, they're just like, you know what? Let's just go to the Arctic Circle. You know, it's fine. We'll make some Arctic monkeys. It'll be great. That's an Arctic monkeys joke because there's a band called Arctic Monkeys. Anyway, so. Yes. They decide that the Animorphs decide that they're going to hitch a ride on Visser 3's blade ships and they find cryogenic tubes that have creatures in them, but they don't really know what they are yet. Okay. And, and of course, because it is a um, it is a book episode of Animorphs, things have to go south super quick. And they are discovered. So they're like, oh, battle morph time. So let's uh, let's do that. 
uh, Jake it decides that he wants to order a distraction. And then Marco's like, cool, I'm going to grab the the control panel as a gorilla and just rip it open. You know, okay. like, just, I don't know what this does. And it's probably going to fuck some shit up. So, you know, <laughs> there's that. Perfect. Yeah. Um. So he does that. Rachel's in Grizzly Bear Morph. And she she uh, manages to make a tiny crack in one of those tubes that they that were cryogenically frozen. And as, as as it does, liquid nitrogen like mist spills out and it starts freezing every living thing that it touches. So in the middle of this fight, they are like, we should probably bail because this is bad. So they do that and they fall out into the frozen tundra of the north. And they're like, cool, this is a great place to 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 be as as, you know. Uh, what what are they? A grizzly bear, a tiger, a, a gorilla, you know, all of these like creatures that don't really belong in just like a frozen, you know, area right. of the of the earth. Right. Or so together, just, really. Yeah. Or together. Also correct. Yes. <laughs> so they decide that they're going to morph wolves, but better. they yeah. need they need energy to keep moving so they don't freeze to death because it is very very cold up there mm-hmm. this is this is not like the current arctic circle which like you know is is cold it is like the arctic circle that was much more put together like in the 90s so it is cold <laughs> cold cold <laughs> so they can't sleep obviously because they're afraid that they're gonna you know freeze to death mm-hmm so Axe decides to inform them about these new aliens that are called the Venber, which I actually forgot about. I don't even remember this this part, so I actually had to like pull up the the old Ceropedia to help me get through this one. Because mm-hmm. I re- I genuinely I remember reading this book because of things that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, but I don't remember all the details for this one. So according to Axe, the Venber were race were were a race of creatures that were wiped out centuries ago. No, by these people that were known as the five, they melted them down into computer semiconductors. Not only that, but apparently the Yerks have cloned them by crossbreeding them with humans, giving them a new humanoid shape. So they're like, okay, this is weird. They're like getting into the alien conducting experiments on humans stage of of taking shit over. So um, after that, they happen to find a polar bear. That has just recently chowed down on a ringed seal and they eat the remains of the seal because he's left some behind and they find that even Cassie is not putting up a fight about it. She's just like, we're fucking hungry. Let's eat. Like, here you go. And they find two seal pups uh, of the seal that they just eaten and they they're like, well. This sucks, man. So they they acquire the seal pups and then just leave them to their fate because obviously they they just lost their mother and they may not may not survive. They morph the seals uh, to to basically escape uh, being pursued by the creatures that Marco had observed, the the crossbreeded Venber or what have you. Mm -hmm. And they are attacked by orcas in the depths because they are seals, seal pups, essentially. Mm hmm. So they get out of that, you know, just tired, beaten, battered, barely surviving. And then they come across this Inuit named Derek. And his buddy, whose name is Nanook the polar bear. (laughs) And Derek is like, yeah, I can tell you about the people with the satellite dish and how they're like worse than like the tourists that come up to shoot wildlife from helicopters for pleasure and sport. And they they're like, okay, well. Great meeting you. Oh, wait. You know what would be a really good idea? Shit. Uh, I guess we have to attack Nanook, don't we? Oh, so they attack Nanook to pin him down. And then they each acquire him and morph Nanook. In their new morphs, they advance on the Yerk base because they're still trying to do that. They encounter the uh, event, the Venber again and just engage them in this absolutely brutal battle because obviously like you know parts of them are getting frozen as they try to touch this thing mm-hmm. and then i believe i may be wrong and i think marco gets the idea um or they collectively get the idea to lure the venber into one of the hangars because the hangars are warm enough they're above zero conditions they're like well that will weaken them mm-hmm. it actually it actually causes them to start melting Oh, boy. So then they're like, cool, we're going to do that. And now there just happens to be like, this feels like a bit of like one of those like 
those like late 80s, early 90s Tom Cruise like action flicks because they just like <laughs> they look over to the left. There's just like a bug fighter that's just chilling out there and like, cool, we're going to steal that and then we're going <laughs> to emulate the base. Yeah, perfect. So they kind of get their whole like there isn't like a huge like thing that happens here other than like just the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the. The hardship of survival in the in like the frozen wild. Mm-hmm. Um, they they more or less destroy the the base, even though that they're intercepted by the blade ship. They kind of do a kamikaze situation where they they set the 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 bug fighter to fly towards the towards the blade ship, and they all morph birds and just like bail out. Mm-hmm. And so the bug fighter is destroyed. The blade ship, I think, is fine generally, but like, and then they just like. Hitch rides on trucks and trains to get home. <laughs> that's that's your situation. So it's 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 a uh, one of the first times that the chi will actually pose as each of the animorphs while they're gone. Because obviously this is not like a oh you know they're doing that in our small like town of of <laughs> so we'll just like take care of it here. They actually have to, like go somewhere. Right. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, like, does nobody notice that they're gone? Just, yeah, so the, you know, yeah, hundreds so the, of thousands of miles away. <laughs> right. So the so the chi actually poses each of the animorphs while they are okay. away. So okay. they are covered that way. Let's see. This is one of the first times that Rachel is is genuinely shocked by something that happens because Marco uh, discloses that Rachel and Tobias's relationship is extending beyond that of a friend. And and it's not secret to the others because Marco just flippantly calls Rachel Tobias as honey. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like shocked, shocked by that. Uh, Speaking of Tobias, he was actually does not have a cold weather morph. So Rachel was kind of keeping him like on her chest so to keep him warm. Uh, And he was in he was in flea morph on on uh, on Rachel, basically. So, yeah, that is this. Like I said, there's not too much going on in that book mm-hmm. but you know it's it's one of the first times that they kind of step away from their their unnamed at this point unnamed town mm-hmm. an unnamed city even though there are hints that it is obviously like a a town close or a, or a at least a state close to the ocean okay. um if not directly connected to it so yeah not too much nothing this is like one of those app like one of those books or like there's not like this huge, massive discovery. It's kind of just mm-hmm. like a, oh, the Yurks want to go do this. We're going to go try and stop them. Oh, shit, mm-hmm. this is really hard to survive. But like, uh, you know, it's rare that like anyone, anyone like gets close to, uh, well, anyone like uh, it's it, this book. Usually people get close to death. Someone almost dies, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't really happen here. Like they they mm-hmm. obviously are worried about freezing to death, but what have you. But like. Mm-hmm. This is one of the first of books that is officially known to have been ghostwritten in the series. Oh, okay. So that is, is something that there, but an inconsistency that like I didn't get the first time I read this book, but like going back over it, mm-hmm. Axe says that the Venber are not carbon based, but they do have DNA, but that is carbon based. Yeah. So like, whoopsies. So yeah. Yep. So there is that. Not too much to go into. The Venber kind, at least uh, as as given, and this is the first and last time that they are mentioned. Really, they don't really go back talking to that, talking about them again. Oh, they look kind of like a stereotypical alien. Gotcha. With like the the uh, like the eyes are kind of they're not on stalks, but they're kind of like split away from the mm-hmm. face, and they're towards the top. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll send a picture your way later, and and possibly on our Instagram. So okay. so yeah. With that one being out of the way, we'll talk about the attack. <laughs> now, I do believe that K.A. Applegate actually did write this one. I don't think this one was ghostwritten or, or anything like that. Okay. This one is, we're, we're back We're back to Jake. It is the ninth book narrated by him and the sixth book with him soul, uh, as the sole narrator. Okay. So, this one starts <laughs> with the Animorphs. At a school assembly to see a performance of The Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> like their classmates are putting on The Lion King? I believe that is how it is going, yes, because it is a school okay. assembly. Great. Love it. 
no notes. <laughs> so they're watching this uh, this performance of the Lion King, and suddenly everything freezes. <gasps> dun, dun, except, dun. Ex- except for them. And this girl that they know named Beth. Oh, who's Beth? They're just they're just like uh, so we we can move, and Beth can move, but no one else can move. What does that mean? It means that uh, an old friend of theirs is basically using Beth's form. Here, uh-huh, it's yes. it's it's the Elemist. He's back. That old creepy fuck that helped uh, Tobias get his powers back oh, um, and, and not be trapped. So he's like, "Hey, so I need y'all's help here. There is a force that is more powerful than me that wants to cr- to control the entire fabric of time and space. His name is Krayak. Okay, and." The Elemist reveals to Jake that back when he was infected with a Yurk, way back towards the beginning of the of the book series, uh-huh. that Jake saw a blood red eye and he didn't know what that meant. The Elemist is like, yeah, that was Krayak, just so you know. <laughs> so, hmm. Okay. So he tells them that when the when Krayak first appeared, the Elemist and Krayak war, waged a long, brutal war and it destroyed a tenth of the galaxy. The war was damaging to both of them, and they realized that they must instead have a much more subtle battle comparable to a chess game. So all the times that the Elemist has helped them, like showing them the location of Kandrona rays, freeing two of the Hork-Bajir, restoring Tobias's morphing power, and then uh, twisting time to enable Elfangor to give the Animorphs the morphing power while Tobias still remained his son, all have been small moves in his game. So that's like his... He he is like essentially not doing it because he is some sort of benevolent creature, but rather it is they they are pawns in his his schemes. Of course, Krayak, on the other hand, is targeting another race called the Iskrut, and this is interfering with the Elemis concealed agenda. So what what gets revealed is that the fate of the Iskrut are going to be determined. Through a proxy battle with rules of engagement. So Krayak and the Elemist will each choose seven combatants to face off on the Iskrut homeworld. And Krayak has, has chosen seven of his shock troopers, no, troopers known as the Howlers, which is a group of, uh, they're, they're basically members of the race that destroyed the Pimalites. And I believe if I'm remembering all of this correctly, the Pimalites are the ones that created the Chi. Okay. If I'm if I'm correct, yeah, or they escaped with the chi. I think that they are partially, you know, yeah, they 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 did create the chi. I had to look it up. So yes, that is correct. So basically, he has brought them along, and they're like, "Wait, well, wait a second. There's six of us. You said that there has to be. It's a seven on seven battle, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, we'll bring Eric.'" Because he's the only other person that we know that like knows about what we're doing here. So they choose Eric King to be their seventh. And they're taken to the Iskrut homeworld, which is this huge metropolis like that is just miles and miles above the ground. If you've ever seen like a like a grade school kid play with those like oversized Legos that are uh multicolored. Think of like a metropolis built out of those. It's just like multicolored as fuck. Like oh damn. Like it's just like blue and orange and yellow and and like red for no ass reason. Just like no rhyme or reason as to the colors. They're just there. Uh huh. So they're there, and and keep in mind that Eric, I don't believe, has any sort of situation where he is breaking from his like fighter protocol. So it really is kind of just like a six on seven, essentially. Okay. So they are taken there and the whole area that they're they're taken to is this huge marketplace where anything can be bought and sold. And they find that the Iskrut are very bizarre and kind of grating in terms of their personalities. They're not actually like evil, if you will. Okay. So the Animorphs and Eric decide to they, they go and talk to a young Iskrut trader named Guide. To show them like what is around. And eventually they run into just 
one of the howlers. So the howlers are not necessarily all together. Okay. And by itself, it almost washes their whole team. <laughs> oh, no. So they find that it can be hurt, but it is very heavily armed and it's it's very lethal combat. So they they barely survive and the howler recovers from its injuries and, and leaves. And so they make a deal with Guide going, can we buy copies of Howler Memories? Because like I said, they can literally buy anything, like anything can be bought or sold here. And so they mean they have it, but like, like, like memories can like actually be bought and sold. So they're like, if we survive, we will pledge copies of our own memories if that happens. Okay. And Guide is like, that would make me... um find it like that would make me incredibly wealthy to have like these these memories from like humans that have this like you know this this situation going on Mm -hmm. and that would make the animorphs have enough assets to move around the world at will oh because obviously that like you know they they are just going there but they're not you know they they aren't given any resources or anything to move around or do anything so like Mm -hmm. they kind of need the money to move around Axe determines that the homeworld is sufficiently isolated from Gurk influence for this transfer of information to be of really no risk of anamorph secrecy on Earth. So he's like, there is there's they're not gonna be Yurks here, so that's probably not gonna be a big deal. Okay. Eric watches all of the howler memories, revealing all the massacres that the howlers have committed, and they determine that the howlers were created by Krayak and that they have collective memories, giving each of them thousands of years of battle experiences. And there are no memories of them ever being defeated. Mm. So like that kind of sucks. But like, yep. they also like Eric also now knows that like these are the creatures that are responsible for like the deaths of his like essentially his masters, if you will. His okay. beloved benevolent, semi-benevolent masters. So they find a new safe house and guide the escroot guide named guide but he mentions a personal uh errand he wants a uh so he he explains that a function of escroot physiology requires them to separate into two halves the isk which is the body Mm -hmm. and then the yort which is a slug-like entity so they're like so that's extremely similar to the whole yerk situation that's going on Mm -hmm. and they almost like go to fight him <laughs> they're like mad because they're like so y'all are just like the yurks like y'all are are enslaving the isk essentially mm-hmm. um and guide explains early iskort history how it, they closely resembled the yurks current existence of conquering and enslaving alien races but they disliked their evolved biology biology of parasitism so they instead employed genetic engineering to create a primary host and they they altered their physiology to become symbiotes to the isk if you will so it it meant it meant that they they essentially don't they don't like enslave anything anymore they basically bioengineer this isk to create oh, bodies for them okay and they're and at this point the relevance of the the isk to both the elements and kreak is revealed so should the Yurks ever interact with the Iskort, they would learn of a possibility for nonviolent existence. But since the Yurks are conquerors, the desired nonviolence of some Yurks and, and dissidents within the Empire would delay Kriak's goal of dictatorship over the galaxy and ultimately the universe. So mm-hmm. even worse, in Kriak's view, the Yurks could abandon their imper- current imperialistic nature, forcing him to find new conquerors of the gal- unite the galaxy under his rule. So Kriak is trying to basically, like, kill the isk root so that there's no like positive path for the yurks to see like because obviously they're they're very very similar so Uh elemis wants that the yurks to understand that there is a way that they can do this without being and exist and even you know thrive if you will without having to conquer the galaxy and violently enslave like whole races Mm -hmm. Um, i think you'll remember cassie going back and forth with one of the yurks who were like Listen, we're blind and deaf unless we have a host. Yeah. Like what kind of existence is that? Like mm-hmm. so that that kind of just like makes that whole chess game make sense because obviously Krayak wants the Yerks because they're incredibly powerful and he wants basically to once the Yerks do some conquering, he's gonna be like, yo, y'all work for me now. Mm-hmm. And the Elemist wants them to see that there is a peaceful way to exist. Mm-hmm. So 
they, a new a new battle ensues. Both Jake and Howler fall off a building towards the ground. Jake acquires the Howler, and then he morphs to Peregrine Falcon, pulling himself to safety. And he gives a little quip as the Howler plummets to his death because the Howler does not fly. So oh, right. mm-hmm. he's like, good luck, bitch. <laughs> like, uh, and he flies back up to reunite with the others. Uh, Jake and Cassie uh, run run to each other because obviously they watched Jake fall and thought he was done for. And Jake and Cassie run together and give themselves a little bit of a I almost died kiss. Ooh. To which Rachel says it's about time. Yep. Okay. Jake morphs into the howler that was under the guard mm-hmm. with others under strict orders to kill him if he loses control of the instincts of a killer created by Krayak. So he's like, so he's like, in case I lose control, just fucking kill me. Like, kill me dead. Like, because yeah. I don't know. Like, Crack it created these these mindless, like, things. And he's terrified, but chooses to morph it anyway. Mm-hmm. And he finds that they don't have a, a murderous intent at all. Okay. They have the personalities of kids. They consider their battles to be fun and exciting games. They have no perception that they're hurting real people and annihilating entire civilizations. Wow. Okay. None at all. They're just like, this is so much fun. We're having fun over here. (laughs) As they're just like beating the shit out of people. (laughs) That that, that feels like, like if you found out that like you were playing laser tag and actually killing people. (laughs) Right. Right. Like. You're just like, man, this this game of laser tag is fucking bomb. And then all of a sudden you take the VR helmet off and there's just dead bodies everywhere. You're just like, oh, oh shit. no. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> sorry. It's So the the uh, Animorphs make memory recordings along with Eric and Guide. So when they next attack, the Animorphs use Jake in Howler Morph to stun one of them and force the entire combined memories of the eight of them, the Animorphs plus Eric and Guide, into the Howlers along with the knowledge that the non-Howlers are real beings. So instead of having to kill them themselves, they basically just were just like, look, you're actually doing awful things. And like, look at all these people and this, look at all these memories. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ah, we can't believe that we're being like, they're like so bummed out uh-huh. and bummed out feels like they're just like, oh man, like they're so depressed uh-huh. that Kreak like is like, oh fuck, I have to destroy these six before those memories reach the rest of the howlers that I've created. Uh-huh. So he destroys them. Okay. So the Animorphs, by that virtue, win the standoff on behalf of the Elemist. So the Elemist is like, cool, great job, y'all. I'm going to bring y'all to end space or end dimensional space so that they can talk to Krayak face to face in a way that they can see him. Mm-hmm. He concedes defeat and he agrees that the Iskrut will live. And then Jake morphs the Howler in order to determine the effectiveness of the memory contamination. And he finds nothing in the, the Howler memory relating to the Iskrut homeworld. So he said, since all, all Howlers share a single collective memory and Jake and Howler Morph has no memory of the fallen Howler falling by his hand, mm-hmm. he, he determines that Kreak has killed any unsuccessful Howlers. So that is why there's no memories of them ever losing because they're killed mm-hmm. or destroyed before their memories can reach the rest of them. Okay. So he's like, only like basically the memories of, of flawless victories will remain. But there is a single incident that has per- penetrated the collective memory that did happen. Okay. Take a wild stab as to what that is. Just oh. one. I don't know. The memory of Jake and Cassie kissing. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yes! I love it! <laughs> So the Elemis takes the his his beloved champions back to to Earth Mm -hmm. and he reveals that in a few months time on the next Howler raid, the Howlers will will attempt to kiss their targets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. That's hilarious. (laughs) He says that the contaminated Howlers are no longer useful as Kreak shock troops. He also reveals that in 300 years time, the Iskrud will meet the Yerks. Okay. The following night, Jake tries to dream about Cassie to keep his mind off of the howler he sent plummeting to its death, but he finds himself unable to do so. Hmm. 
So the this is the one of the first books that officially names Krayak as as a as a uh, antagonist or antithesis to the Elemist, if you will. He okay. obviously did make his first appearance as the Blood Red Eye, but mm-hmm. Jake didn't know what the fuck that was about. This is the first time that Jake and Cassie kiss. It is divulged that uh, I said I said that already that they're 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 related and possibly originated from the Yurks. So like basically mm-hmm. like he's saying that they they might meet during the conversation. Krayak is especially upset with Jake over what happened. Mm-hmm. And so he promises Jake that he will exact vengeance. Like he's focusing specifically on Jake. Okay. Great. He's, he's the, this is also the first time that anyone outside of Tobias realizes or is revealed to the fact that Elfangor is T- Tobias's father. He, they are shown a memory of Elfangor being taken from his life as a human and restored to Andalite society by the, the Elemist. So yeah, one of the goofs says that, that that it's in this book is Jake says that it's impossible to describe his nightmare as he's describing the nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, I get why that's a goof, but I also mm. feel like that is like so human nature to be like, I don't know, it's just indescribable, but you just like keep talking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when when you say like I'm speechless, I just don't have anything to say. And it's like, well, you did just just yep. give us two sentences, so there's yep. that. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, and then the Elemis tells Jake that when Krayak saw him after his Yerk died, he became interested in him because he had seen that the Elemis had made his presence known to Jake before. However, Krayak saw Jake at the saw Jake at the end of number six, the capture, while Jake met the Elemis for the first time in number seven. Which mm-hmm. I argue because there's a lot of like Doctor. Doctor Who timey wimey bullshit that happens mm. regarding the Elemist may okay. not be a goof. Mm-hmm. Like it may not be that big of a deal because we already mm-hmm. know that they fucking twisted time so that Elfanger yeah. could still be Tobias's father, but yet still give him the morphing cube. So mm-hmm. Axe shows a chart of views a chart of the Milky Way and says there's a distance of 500 billion light years between the Iskru planet and Earth, but Milky Way is only a hundred thousand light years across. So mm. that doesn't quite work. Gotcha. So yeah. This is also one of the books that, that they use to uh, promote the, the Animorphs television show. Oh, okay. In fact, they, they, they did put a new time sticker on the book. So over the old promotion, mm-hmm. they just made sure that every copy had a sticker on it that said, New Time, Sundays at 8 p.m. on Nickelodeon. Oh. <laughs> so. Gotcha. So, yeah, there is that. Anything you want to talk about or any thoughts that you have about anything that's happened thus far in any of these books? Because they're, they're oh, I have one one piece of trivia for you. So okay. K. Applegate had this to say about a very memorable scene in the book. Mm-hmm. The Jake and Cassie kiss is not something, not only something Anna fans had wanted for a long time. It was our small homage to the first interracial kiss on TV, the famous Captain Kirk, Lieutenant uh, Uhara moment. That long ago kiss ignited a storm of angry response. For for us, we always got lots of fan mail and and not a single letter that we ever saw complained about a kiss between a black character and a white character. Mostly what readers said was, it's about time. So Oh, that's great. So it is it is a it is a uh, homage to the first interracial kiss on TV. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty cool. And yeah, that, that in cool. the 90s people were just like, cool. We That's like awesome. It. We yeah. like it. It's about time. We were wondering when you were going to get to that shit rather yeah. than being like, this is disgusting. We hate it. We're never watching this again. Like, mm-hmm. gotta love that. Anyway, so yeah, so thoughts on on what's gone on thus far. I'm obviously not going to like quiz you or anything, but just well, like. that's good. <laughs> no, I'm just enjoying the ride. And. Yeah, it just. It's just, I think the biggest thing for me is just, like, how much happens and how serious things are. Sure. For it being, like, a kid's, a series of kid's books. hmm Which, like, I can think of a lot of kid's books that are very serious. So it's not, I guess it shouldn't be that surprising, but it's just, yeah, I, I, I think I've probably said this before that like i didn't realize it was going to be so life or death in most Mm -hmm. books (laughs) yeah but yeah i'm just i'm just enjoying the ride and yeah always look forward to hearing more okay favorite character at this point 
Doesn't have to be doesn't have to be one of the the main characters. Just any any character that we've talked about. I think I like Cassie. Okay. She's yeah, like you reminded me of when she was arguing with a Yurk, and I love that kind of energy. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I'll probably ask you that again in another like ten books or so, and we'll see. Yeah, how you, how you feel about that? But I'm glad that you're enjoying the time because, like, I think my favorite thing about this book or this book series is that like it it didn't. It, I mean, there there are obviously punches pulled, but it felt like for a young adult novel, it pulled way less punches, and it kind of treated you as like uh, you're you you're you're probably mature enough to understand what the fuck is happening, you mm-hmm. know. So we're not going to just be like, oh, yeah. And then Jake took that other character into the other room and he came back and said it, it was done. Like, they're just like, no, like this character was dead. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like he, he literally counter tortured. He counter tortured a yerk and mm-hmm. killed it. Like, because it mm-hmm. was in his head. And honestly, I will say this, like the the TV show didn't live as long as I would have liked it to. Uh-huh. And I would love someday to see if I can track down some of like the episodes so I can watch them and like really kind of compare from like a a true standpoint. Because obviously, like mm-hmm. I could read a, a a sheet on the Internet that says, oh, this is what happens in the book versus this is what happens in the television show for this yeah. you know, this episode or what have mm-hmm. you. But like, I think that the actors from the television show, which includes Sean Ashmore. Oh, that's right as jake i think that they did a fantastic job of of making me feel like they like were just like thrust into this like crazy role as these kids who are tasked with saving the planet Mm -hmm. and i i wish that like i wish that like in this era now where like crazy stuff is being brought back by like netflix and whatever that like somebody collaborates with k applegate and gives us a nice like three season yeah animorphs thing because i feel like that could be so good if mm-hmm. it's handled correctly with the right people like i would love like a three season with like a full like a good production value because obviously like n- like not to say not to shit on nickelodeon but like they ain't got netflix money like you know like, they've <laughs> never had netflix money so like a lot of these things were just like you know especially with like mm-hmm. with with how art artistry and cgi and, and, and stuff is is nowadays i think that they mm-hmm. could really do a really cool thing with that yeah obviously they wouldn't have to they wouldn't be able to cover like every single thing but like i would especially love to get like a three episode arc or something like that from david's the david saga i would really love to see that Mm -hmm. but yeah so that's how i feel about it how do y'all feel about it you can tell us at aswaydpod on instagram or at an at gmail.com to your email client du jour and let us know don't forget that I have a story that I want to tell, but I won't tell it if people don't tell me that they want to hear about it. So there's that. Yes, give us the beeper story. People. It's been so hyped at this point, it's going to be a letdown. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's still a thing. And you know what else is a thing? Uh, well, it's not because I didn't make up a theme song for it. But this is Amelia. What the fuck is this? This is a part of the episode where I show Amelia something with a context. All right. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so this is this is two TikToks look put together. I don't know if it's real or not because it it's made to look like somebody on their for you page like scrolling but yeah what one one video is this this woman saying like why do you pay for spotify premium you could just hack into somebody's account and they show her listening to a song that sounds like gibberish to me and then you get to the you see them like scroll past a couple videos and then you get to another video and it's somebody who's like who keeps hacking into my Spotify and playing the fucking Minion song? <laughs> Which I didn't know there was a Minion song. And it's from honest, the most recent Minions film, I think. I see. Uh, to be honest, I feel like my life is 
neither better nor worse for having that knowledge. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, I have so many questions about how you hack into somebody's Spotify, except that I don't want to, but that is, I hope that this is like somebody that they're playing a prank on, like a mm-hmm. friend that they're playing a prank on or something. So that, you know, at the end of the year, their Spotify rap says their most played song is like the Minion song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty great. Yeah. Awesome. So. Thanks, Amelia. Well, um, I guess you could probably tell people where they can find us if you'd like. Yeah. So if you want to look for us, uh, you can find me at Shake Meets World on Instagram. And I guess TikTok. I don't really use it, but. And yeah, you can follow my business at Fuck the Perfect Life or on that's on Instagram. And then on Facebook, it is F dash K because Facebook won't let you use the word fuck in uh, the name of a group, mm-hmm. which I love that they won't let you do that on Facebook, but you can on Instagram. Which is, yeah, they're this, yeah, they're, they're all about the same, same, but whatever. I guess it's a way to keep things different. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, you can follow me there, or you can sign up for uh, updates on my website, fucktheperfectlife.com. And Sherrick, you can find at a black sparrow on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I don't know. SherrickRobinson.com. Twitch.tv. Yeah, Twitch.tv. I actually do have like a thing on Facebook, but I never post on Facebook, like on my personal or otherwise. So like, I feel like it it does exist. Chances are, chances are good that if, if there is the name a black sparrow someplace that it is mine. Um, I try to make it all either have like my, my new logo or my new logo with that little like picture of me that six Lona did for me. Mm -hmm. So obviously check that, but sharecrobinson.com is, the best place to check because you know it yeah. links it i mean it, it i mean it links to my social medias it links to my twitch page it links to it links to both the aswayd stuff and also like my uh current thing which i think soon a new sticker pack is coming out on my Ooh. shop i think i think it's the donut perceive me yeah. logo the power rangers morpher logo and then one other thing okay cool i don't remember but that is uh always uh on my website otherwise it's slakermerch.com slash collection slash a black sparrow right you can get yeah. our merch there too like you said i'm wearing mm-hmm. a aswaydpod sweatshirt as we speak yeah so yeah that's about all we have for you this week. So, yeah, with that, I've been Amelia. I've been Sherrick, and tune in next time when we'll show you five things to do on your laptop that will impress the person behind you on the airplane. Bye! <laughs> Bye!